Welcome (laughs) to Powerful Stuff. And this week is of the utmost power. Yes. Because we are talking about our eras. Mm. Which era are we in individually and in relation to Taylor Swift and her eras tour? Yes, a great jumping off. And we know you guys will be hearing this after the fact, but Taylor was here in Los Angeles at SoFi Stadium for six palpable nights for the Eras Tour. And it really had us thinking about our own eras. And that's what we'll be going into today of, you know, how each era in our journey plays a fundamental part and stepping stone and fuel into the next era of our life and how Taylor Swift, whether you love her or hate her or don't know why you can't get enough of her, um, has really gone on the hero's journey of starting out, enjoying life, writing about her crushes, fun things, being 22, and then being shunned by the media when she had the Kanye gate with reputation and really alchemized her shame into her superpower with reputation of like, okay, will you say this is me Then I'm going to be that bad bitch and I'm going to make it into a best-selling album and go into a stadium tour. And then after that in her retreat from the world, she came out with Lover, which is like the rebirth after the caterpillar goes into the cocoon, if you will coming out a butterfly and from there giving herself permission to go through these different other areas like folklore and evermore now midnights and really like I think she wasn't even after midnight so it was popular it was like this wave of power when she went on the era's tour of like claiming every part of her story yeah I think that was something that you brought up recently that made it all come together for me I like Taylor Swift there are certain albums I've gotten really into over the years of course I think no woman is immune from that yeah even if you don't you are now yeah but um but I'm certainly not a huge Swifty so it was interesting to see the huge impact that this tour has had and it's like why now you know she's performed before but but what you said really struck a chord in that she's reminding people of the full journey she's been on. Yes. And that started so young and she was in such a different place, world, branding, all of it. And so to remind people of how far she's come and of all of those different eras and stops along the way, it it makes sense why this is such a sensation. Like to be able to see someone's creative, personal life story and evolution and like identify with it and 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 remind yourself of all of those parts of your life is like hugely impactful. Totally. A thousand percent. And we're going to get into all of that today. And I think like you were saying, it's like we were all raised by that music. Yeah. We were all dating the same toxic guys where we had the self-awareness around the I know you were trouble time. And it's crazy because I actually went to the Eras tour in Houston with my sister. Shout out to Karen who got us Ticketmaster <laughs> tickets, waited 10 hours in the queue. Uh, oh, ow. <laughs> yes. But um, 
it was really cool because it was multi-generational. Yeah. Like little girls trading friendship bracelets, moms who are our age or a little bit older, like crying because they remembered, you know, songs like all too well from their formative years and husbands who didn't know that they needed Taylor Swift as much as they did when they went to that concert. And so it is very cool because it's like she's really united generations and it's going to be the biggest um, tour of all time with the biggest economic <laughs> impact of $6 billion. <laughs> I think that's just calculated from the end of her U.S. tour right. dates, not even talking about international, but it's crazy because I think the power in that is when we show up authentically yes, and when we own every aspect of ourself and our yes. story and we don't let what others say get us down and when we celebrate the accumulation of our life's work, that's when this tidal wave is created because yeah, like you were saying, it's like the Eras tour, like, yeah, she was like very popular, obviously international pop star before the Eras tour, but it's like this tour created like this pop culture moment where everyone had to go because it, yeah. it was like everyone was reliving their that, teenage years to this point with that tour. Exactly. Everyone had some really deep experience that connected to some song, even if you don't realize it. It was the backdrop to a portion of your life. Yeah. So with that being said, before we get too deep into it, because we're already there, because Taylor's just blown us open. We love the analysis. We know. I know. And I'm going to talk about specific songs, and then we'll get into our eras, to y'all's eras, how we can own our own eras and be in our eras era. So should we start off with our little meditative moment? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, so closing your eyes, taking a deep breath in, an open mouth exhale, and just imagine that you are standing in the middle of a stage in a 100,000-person stadium. Everyone is cheering your name. Every single friend, family member, acquaintance, perceived enemy, ex-lover is in the stadium. Each one of them playing a fundamental part of the songs that you've written, of the stories that you've told. And each one of those stories striking a chord with different people, lighting your path every step of the way. And as you feel that energy, if they all came to see you shine and you shining allows them to shine, feeling into that in this moment as if you're claiming this era right now as your biggest and best era and it just keeps getting better. Which era is that that you are ready to claim, that you are ready to step into? And how has each perceived roadblock or stepping stone led you to this very moment? Taking a deep breath to soak it all in. And as you exhale, breathing out the knowingness that as you embody this era, everyone around you shines. Slowly opening your eyes. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Taylor, if you want that recorded meditation to (laughs) open your Eras Tour in Europe, just say the word. We can arrange that. We could even lead it live, perhaps in Milan, Austria, whenever. We're (laughs) 
We're around. We can make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> We'd move some things around. Yeah. But yeah, so that's, I mean, we've already started to get into it, but that's just the thing is, the thing that is so powerful is also that she's like a singer-songwriter. She's not an artist that's yeah. had other songwriters write songs for her. She's been completely in control of her creative process and you feel like you're reading her diary and you're getting an in on the good and the bad and the ugly and the time she's felt crazy and the self-awareness. And sometimes we all try to paint this picture-perfect image of ourselves for other people, but it's like, let's just call it what it is. Yeah, We're overthinking sometimes, a little bit crazy sometimes, or like her song, Antihero, in the Midnight's album, it's me, hi, I'm the problem, it's me. That's been a nice, a nice tagline that's entered our culture the past few months. Right. And it's just self-awareness. Yeah. Self-acceptance and almost by owning it and just saying it like one of her lyrics in that song is sometimes I feel like everybody, <laughs> this part is so funny. Everybody is a sexy baby and I'm a monster <laughs> on a hill. You're like, okay, what is a sexy baby? <laughs> um, but it's just like almost like as soon as we call it out, it like becomes humorous. Exactly. And it becomes not so serious and the jokes on everyone else because that song has over a billion streams. Yeah. And the truth is, it's always a little bit of us as the problem. And that's just kind of the human condition we all have to accept. We all have a part to play. And that's radical ownership, baby. Exactly. Um, and it's cool that every era that she had like led us to here. And I think it's so funny because I don't know about you, Eileen, but I like... Love Taylor Swift, her first album, then her second album, Red, was when we, we were in college, and like Dear John and those songs, like I thought about the guy I lost my virginity to and how he was a dick and like, you know, all too well, like all of my college boyfriends, it really resonated. And then like 22 living in New York and like mm. cutting the line and going into clubs and stuff. <laughs> and yeah, and the 1989 was great, like very nostalgic. But then when it got to reputation, I found myself not loving it. And almost like, oh, Taylor's so like negative now. Mm. And I didn't understand it at the time, but it was also at a time when I was rejecting parts of myself and disconnected from my emotional intelligence. And so it's almost like what we what we're triggered by, what like what you seek is seeking you. Exactly. <laughs> what yeah. you trigger is triggering you. <laughs> no, but it, that makes so much sense because that was probably a time when you felt uncomfortable with being a little bit dark or, or feeling like it was bad to bring bring something down with that energy. Right. It was like the toxic positivity exactly. era, especially when I was a founder of a beverage company at the time and felt like I needed to be positive and a cheerleader for everyone so no one would know that I was like questioning right. myself. And so I didn't actually listen to reputation. And I kind of was like, oh, I don't know about Taylor Swift anymore. And it was like, it's like when we're unhappy with parts of our life, we like find a scapegoat to like reject, you know. <laughs> That's and, so true. <laughs> and all the time she was actually like speaking the truth of like, okay, well, if the media is going to call me a snake and a bitch and like my reputation has never been worse, like I'm going to make an album called Reputation. And she owned it. And I didn't appreciate it until I went to the heiress tour in Houston. Wow. And she came out like in this like sexy like bodysuit. And she had like these snakes like 
slithering like wow. on a huge screen and it was like din, din, din. are you ready for it and I was just like oh my god I get it she like got to channel her alter ego or her shadow side and her bad bitch and just like let it out and by doing that she like alchemized her pain into fortune yes we haven't even touched on the monetary marketing genius <laughs> behind this all but yeah. <laughs> This isn't a business podcast. <laughs> right. You guys will just get little sprinkles. <laughs> but that's so wild to hear as as someone who was and has been such a huge fan of hers that it took even this, this creative vision of hers for you to see the full picture of who she is and what she was trying to accomplish. Like, that's pretty wild that she had to combine it all together to present it as like, this is me as a whole person. And... And it, it actually brings up an interesting point too, especially in the creative process where like you see this new album and, and we think, well, this is who she is now. And then we immediately divorce it from her past and her future Yes, and decide yes. that this is now this person's identity. And like, how unfair is that? You know, when first of all, it's probably just a side of her she was accessing. And second of all, that was, you know, a moment in her life when she was, able to access it and able to maybe emphasize that a little bit more, but it doesn't speak to her identity or who she is moving forward. Totally. But yeah, it like paints a whole picture or sheds light yeah. on, yeah, on what she was going through and how, what a genius she is of being able to alchemize yeah. her emotions in such a cathartic way. It's like yeah. the songwriting is therapy. Yeah. Because I tell all my clients in coaching, like, to heal it, you have to feel it. Mm -hmm. And so we'll do expression or sacred rage practices of, like, screaming into the pillow or yeah. bashing your mattress with, like, a wiffle bat to, like, allow yourself to express emotions. Or I'll tell them to go on a shadow date where they let their inner shadow side or the part of them that they're ashamed of out. And so they don't feel like they're suppressing it or, like, isolating a part of themselves. Yeah to bring them into wholeness and acceptance of their whole picture. And I didn't realize till I went to the heirs tour that that's exactly what Taylor Swift did. Yeah. And she was embodying that part. She was embodying that part. And I think that's why we've all found it, at least me personally, so magnetizing because I'm like, holy shit, this is like what I preach to my clients and my life thesis of like own your story. Mm -hmm. And here she was doing it in front of me. And I think my personal like, fantasy for myself is like me being on a stage in front of hundreds of thousands of people like being fully expressed and as a songwriter as well like yeah I was writing similar songs around similar times as her like right. about like boys that broke my heart in college and then around her reputation album now that I think about it is when I put out the song which is the soundtrack to a powerful stuff which is Culebra which means snake mm. But I wrote that years before Reputation, but it's so funny. I'm like, Taylor, if you're listening, are we besties? <laughs> like, this is crazy. But I re released Culebra, and it's like, una culebra, culebra, corazón de piedra, culebra. And it's like about beating a womanizer at his own game. Mm. Not that I had ever been able to do that, <laughs> but it was like my... Nor should you try. <laughs> nor should you try. <laughs> um, but it was like my alter ego of like, imagine this bad bitch slaying this snake. And I like wrote it in Spanish. And I literally in the song is like, slay that. Wow. snake do, 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 do. anyways so it's just like I felt like I saw so much of myself in her and she's like living out my dream of like 
the ultimate owning of your story, like performing it in stadiums of 100,000 people and everyone singing along and them feeling so seen in their story in the process. Wow. Yeah. So it's like captured your whole like life vision yeah. in some way. Right. And I'm like, now that Taylor's achieved it, what do I do? <laughs> no, I'm joking. Well, <laughs> own my own story, I guess. Yeah. And there are so many people that, that, that hasn't been accomplished for like me. <laughs> We're <laughs> doing maybe, it. Who maybe don't identify as strongly with Taylor. I appreciate the journey. I get it and I see it and I, I identify with it. Right. But, um, but, but it doesn't necessarily reflect as much. So there's so much opportunity with the world needs more people who are, who can do that. And I think that's, that's almost why it's so shocking and also amazing that she's pulled this off because in some ways it is so simple. It's like just one person fully exposing themselves. Right. Allowing themselves to be fully seen. Yeah. Allowing their heartache to be seen, allowing their shame to be seen. Yeah. So as difficult as it is, it's like she's, she is kind of one of the first people in our generation who's been able to do that. So we need a lot more. I know. Well, I was going to say, Eileen, in which ways do you feel like you've had a few different eras in your life? What are your reputation lover moments? <laughs> I have, I like this question and I think people ask this in different ways, but it's like if you could segment your life into like three parts as of now, what would it be? Right. And I do like thinking about that. Um, I always break mine up. It's, it's pretty distinct in terms of external pieces, but ballet was a long era. Right. And that was a very cathartic time because I could dance out every emotion and it was very painful to actually do it, but it, it released a lot of emotional pain and issues. Right. Shake it off. Shake it off. So yeah, ballet. Point it out. <laughs> ballet was like the first 12 years of consciousness from four to 16. Wow. Um, and then I entered a whole, a whole era of understanding my intellectual capabilities and learning that that was a whole other part of myself um, right. that, that was fun to explore and rebellion and partying and those seemed to go together. It was like a work hard, play hard and exploring some of that darkness through writing in different different avenues and then also really developing, um, yeah, like a different kind of work ethic. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, and then I guess going through the rest, I think it, then I got to a point which... I think I'm in now that sort of started five or so years ago, which was the realization of self and that like that awareness of self. Like this inner spiritual connection. Exactly. And, you know, that's something that we all always have, but there's a point in time definitely when either something really dramatic happens um, or not, but, but there's, there's a moment when it sort of becomes conscious that you're, you're experiencing and growing and um, and that inner journey started really like five years ago and it's just been an evolution up to this point. Right. Yeah. And that part really is the owning of all sides of you, looking at what you can continue to heal, what you can continue to communicate. And I've seen you walk the fire and that in like, okay, what boundaries do I need to set? What do I need to communicate? 
what unexplored parts of myself am I ready to unearth? Exactly. Yeah. And then within that, you can break it down. I've broken that down a little bit into two parts of like seeking and building. And I know you talk a lot about this build time, which is the era that we're sort of presently in. Um, but I like to distinguish those two because it's it's sort of like the macrocosm of of what we talk about in terms of learning and integrating. So it's like every time you learn something or have a realization, then you kind of have to take a pause to integrate it into your life and your psyche. Mm-hmm. And so on a larger scale, um, I think there's like years when you're seeking and you're exploring and you're trying tons of new things and you're traveling a lot. Right. And then there's the period when um, when you really want to take everything you've learned Exactly. And integrate it and embodied wisdom. Yeah. Which actually brings us back to Taylor. Yes. Naturally. Naturally. Of the albums coming out, but then I feel like the, and those being the exploratory times, like the lived experiences and them writing yes. songs about it. And the era's tour is like the build, so to speak, of like yeah. all of that coming together mm. and like showcasing that for a long period of time. Yes. And reimagining like how she's re-releasing each album. Um, It's almost like re-pulling out like things from our past who made us who we are and reimagining them today and how they still are part of us. I love that because, yeah, that's one thing that we often miss is the going back and acknowledging the painful pieces and being able to see them as maybe not so painful. Right, as part of our journey, looking at them with more acceptance of like, oh my God, this had to happen this way. Yeah, like and of course that crazy tornado took over that yeah, time. I, I know. <laughs> well, and it's so funny too, because obviously with her, where a lot of us are very familiar with all of her past breakups and all of these things. And it's like, if she had like found her sweetheart at like 16 or whatever, we wouldn't have so many albums of like, all these relatable things that you go through in your 20s when you're like dating toxic guys or know that you're not in your worth, but you're doing it anyways. And so it's almost like in the time and maybe right after you're like, why does this keep happening? Mm -hmm. Um, But now it's like, oh my gosh, I have all this amazing things that really made other people feel seen and related to and like less alone in this experience in our 20s when we're running around like a headless chicken. Totally. Yeah. And a reminder that those situations don't just come about by accident. We're, we're always creating them because it's something that we need to learn about ourselves or right. it's part or of our missing. creative journey. Yeah. I remember once my mom called, I called my mom and in college because I had my college little heart broken by a international heavyweight rower. (laughs) I'm joking. (laughs) But no, it's true. That was like my type in college. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, I was like feeling like upset and just like, how did I let this happen again? And it's so one of these like beautiful moments between my mom and myself because she loves and cares about me deeply, but she's very like much more stoic than me and I'm like an emotional Pisces. And anyways, it was like one of these moments that really like hits the heart And I was like, I just wish I didn't feel so much. Mm -hmm. And she was like, but Meredith, if you didn't feel, you wouldn't have all of your songs. Oh. 
I know. That's such a beautiful thing to say. And it's just such a reminder. um, And that's why I like the Taylor Swift journey speaks so loudly. um, Of like everything that we're going through, like how much courage and acknowledgement we should all give ourselves for feeling the pain, for expressing it, whether it's through art or music or transmuting it into like discovering a new side of yourself. Um, Because when we like just block it or try to push it away or like close down our hearts, we miss all of that richness that our older self is going to look back and thank us so much for leaning in and allowing the emotional expression of that. Mm, I love that you said that because it also reminds me of the conversation we have a lot about running out of time and feeling too late for things. Yes. And this kind of exercise of going through the eras of your life really helps you frame how you got to this point and not be so hard on yourself in terms of like what you missed because we forget that we forget about everything we were working on in those times, you know, like going through those heartbreaks or chasing different opportunities. And maybe they're not the opportunities that we want now, but at that time they were really important. Totally. And acknowledging that like we were working towards something that felt important at the time and giving ourselves to that so fully and we couldn't get to this place of of our true present dreams without that totally a thousand percent and that's why it's like all these expressions that you can hear that can feel trite they're so true like it's never rejection it's a redirection yeah like with taylor swift and jake gyllenhaal and all too well you know even if she felt rejected at the time she wrote a song about it yeah it's a banger yeah um and according <laughs> to one of our friends, it's her mom's most favorite, most popular Taylor Swift song. Oh, um, interesting. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but yeah, and and now she's performed it all over the world to millions of people, and and it's become such a battle cry for every woman who's had and man who's had their heart broken. Totally. Um, I used to go through relationships and have this sort of eternal sunshine of the spotless mind attitude where I yeah. felt like as soon as the relationship ended, I had to pretend it never happened and like erase it from my mind. Right. <laughs> and this is really showing the opposite of that, of course. But I've definitely come to that point of realizing that you can't live that way. And like those people, when I think back on those really heartbreaking relationships that I wanted to just erase, like, now I feel all of the wisdom that that those people gave me even, you know, even if at the time I hated the way they approached life, like I can't imagine thinking about the world without that that wisdom. Right. Absolutely. And it's like everyone in our life is a teacher. Yeah. Um, actually, uh, to quote myself in a song that I once wrote. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, with... Um, this friend Nikki, uh, it's called Coming Home, and it's like uh, each a teacher offering a test, every mirror bringing out my best, I'm coming home. And it's like whether it's a friend or a perceived enemy or an ex-lover, it's like they're all in our life for that reason. And it would be remiss of us not to process, like what is this teaching me? How can I grow from it? What do I need to do to process it fully? And how is it opening my heart even more? Because a heart is most open when it breaks. So true. And 
one of the things that I have my clients do and that I do after any type of chapter and whether it's a relationship or a job or whatever is a death rebirth ceremony or a cord cutting ceremony where you allow yourself to feel any lingering emotion around it. Maybe you write this person a letter that you'll never give them um, or a poem or a song and then have some sort of like release. Maybe you rip that up or you scream into a pillow. And then after that, we have a meditation where you talk to your younger self and see what they still need to heal. And then you also talk to your 90-year-old self and ask them like, how is this happening for me? So you get that inner healing from the inner child and then that future perspective from your 90-year-old self. And then from there, you take the next integrated step forward. And then on the other side of that meditation, you write yourself a letter celebrating how you've handled it and reclaiming how you want it to be part of your story. I love the cord cutting. And anyone who feels like they have something weighing them down, whether it's a tangible thing or a person, I would rewind and listen to that again so that you can do this ceremony yourself because it's such a perfect way of acknowledging what happened, not ignoring it, not Mm. trying to pretend it never did. And like you said, taking from it exactly what you want, putting that reframe and understanding how you can use it moving forward. And you can do this with things that that might be way in the past. You might feel like there's something from 10 or 20 years ago that's still holding on. And like this your first of, heartbreak. Exactly. And this kind of ceremony um, that you've guided me through a number of times can is timeless. I yeah honored. Thank you for letting me be your trusted guide. Um, yeah, it is, it is so powerful. And I think kind of as we sum up the eras, it's really asking yourself and maybe really pausing this or getting a notebook to write these journaling questions down. But what were the different eras of my life? What, how did I grow in that era? And how was it building upon my next era and what era am I in now and how do I see that everything had to happen the way it did to bring me to now and then lastly as I step into this next era who am I ready to become because of what I've been through and how do I celebrate and acknowledge that now and in that way our past has become our soil not something that's hold us back or that's baggage, but it's become our soil for like this new beautiful multi-billion stadium tour that we're creating energetically in our own lives. I love that. Do you want to tell everyone just what era you're in now and which one you just came out of? I would love to. Um, I am in my <laughs> I am in my era's era. No. <laughs> Very meta. <laughs> I'm in my full bloom era. Yes. As you know, and you were with me, we led a full bloom retreat and that's kind of been my theme of the summer, this idea of taking the past, burning it to ashes, reusing it as soil for present day and then rooting down, which is kind of what I did in the winter when I was hibernating, uh, recovering energy levels um, after I had an abortion and needed to rebalance my hormones and just felt energetically sensitive. Um, and so it was really 
putting everything into soil and also he at that time healing past triggers, triggers around comparison, acknowledgement, some friend breakups, uh, putting new boundaries in. So it was like a really delicate soil time of like, how were all these things happening for me? And how are the things that I was feeling resentful toward actually like my greatest teachers? So that was a soil period. So I'd say that's the period right before the full bloom, which was just like, yeah, kind of like that acceptance and catalyzing the sprouts kind era. of just bursting out of the the dirt. Totally. Yeah. And now it's the full bloom and the full bloom really being like rooting down, rising up, creating experiences, doing our podcast, like uh, not being too precious with my songs. Like I have so many songs that I've written and I used to be like, I'm not going to release it until I have an EP and music videos. And now it's like write a song, record it, release, write, record, release. And just like putting my creative stuff out into the universe more and more. And all of the other things that happened in my last era, I now see how they were happening for me. You know, I've developed impeccable communication and protected energy from the the boundaries I put in place in certain friendships. Um, and see how when I was annoyed when people weren't acknowledging me for how I had helped them after doing a lot of the work with Byron Katie, which we'll have a whole episode mm. about. Um where you turned the thought around, uh, I realized I wasn't acknowledging myself. Yeah. So in giving myself more acknowledgement, I released myself from the need to have acknowledgement from others. So that's the era I'm in right now. That's so Full bloom. Yeah, and I think that's such a good reminder for people to realize that you can't force things. Like you might feel stuck and you might feel like you want things to be moving and happening. But but like you were saying, there is just a there has to be an air of planting the seeds before it blooms. And so when you're looking at your life and you're like looking at the soil and you're like, where is that sprout? Why isn't this flower popping up? Um, it's kind of going back and thinking like, did you remember to plant the seed and water it yes. and keep it in the sun, you know? And like, have you been tending to those pieces? Every day. It's not like a one and done thing. I love that you bring that up because it is like a plant. Yeah. And sometimes people go into a healing ceremony or they do ayahuasca or yeah, and they're like, oh, I did that. I healed it. Or like yes. the Hoffman process, which I absolutely love. Yes. And I think all the plant medicines in it are amazing, but it's like maintenance every single day of our life. Yes. They just give us the glimpses of things and then it's up to us to like maintain it, to treat ourselves compassionately every day. Exactly. And that's what we were sort of talking about earlier with the integration piece, but it, it really is essential because you can keep doing ceremonies and you'll keep getting the realizations but it won't apply until you apply it oh my gosh yeah i know we need a full episode on the ceremony i know the ceremony sounds like our next begins after the ceremony yes and peak experiences Oof. yeah watch this space yes watch this space the trigger of every era totally oh my gosh yes so that'll be such a Dare I say powerful one? <laughs> but yeah, so full bloom. I actually wrote a song about it with my friend Sarah. Um, Everyone listen oh, on Spotify. Yeah, coming out soon to a Spotify near you. It'll be in my yeah full bloom era on my era's tour. But yeah, we're so glad that you guys listened to this. We're going to also, you know, when she was literally here at SoFi Stadium, I did a best morning ever, Taylor's version, and which is best morning ever. If you don't know, we lead free yoga, meditation, breathwork, journaling, connection on the beach every Monday with overnight oats and Tenzo Masha, all the Venice things. And I put Taylor Swift's eras in chronological order, which is something I wish she had done at her eras tour. Yes. 
because I think it would have been so powerful for her to talk about her transformation and share this a little bit more of owning her story. Like we can read between the lines, Taylor, and we're all feeling it anyway. So like you go girl. But but I put it in chronological order and talked about the psychological evolution of Taylor and dare I say myself and maybe everyone else. So we'll put that in the show notes and we would love to hear what era you're in and how you are making it count. Should we do one last little moment? What are you feeling? Yeah, I like that idea. Okay. So just powering down whatever that means to you, eyes closed or just soft gaze. Now that we've really explored the eras, just imagining as you have a slow breath, coming back to your adolescent self and just seeing them there in front of you, all that they were going through in their life and how they were doing the best they could with what they had, seeing them fully expressed in both their heartache and their joy. And just seeing this like almost like album art of what that era is for you flash before you with your younger self and asking them even for a word or phrase that comes to mind that empowers that part of your life to be what it was. And then asking your younger self like or reflecting back to them rather how you're proud of them and how you see now how everything happened perfectly. The heartache, the pain, the triumphs to lead you to the next era. And then seeing your college-aged self, seeing them in all of their messiness, their chaos, their beauty, their joy, their tears, And just again, like a movie screen, seeing an album flash before them and asking them for a word or phrase that really embodies that era. And then once again, reflecting back to them, how proud you are of them and how that era helped you become who you are today. And then seeing yourself in your younger 20s, mid-20s era, nostalgia and fun and growth, figuring it out. Once again, seeing that album art flash before your eyes, that phrase. Once again, telling this young 20s version of yourself how proud you are of them. Acknowledging how they showed up, how that led you to your next era, which is your kind of reputation era, that era where maybe you were rejecting parts of yourself or was angsty, your Saturn return, if you will, which is totally when reputation came out during her Saturn return, powerful. All makes sense. And just seeing that album art flash before you and bringing so much compassion and love to this part of yourself that maybe you felt disconnected from and just telling them, how much you accept and love them and how it had to happen exactly as it did. And then on the other side of that, seeing yourself in your rebirth era, yourself starting to figure it out, feeling connected, feeling like you are starting to see the glimpses of clarity, 
and seeing a phrase flash before your eyes for that era and telling that part of yourself how proud you are of how you've alchemized everything to rebirth into the powerhouse that you are. And then seeing your 90-year-old self where even more errors have happened since. Just seeing your 90-year-old self and asking them to reflect back to you a piece of wisdom for the era that you're in right now, to really savor it, to capture it, remember it, as Taylor Swift would say. And then thanking them and returning once again to that stage of 100,000 cheering people, that stadium, looking around, feeling so at peace, like you're exactly where you're meant to be in this moment, fully expressed, accepted in all sides of your part, in all sides of yourself in your current era, taking that deep breath in, an open mouth exhale, coming back into this space. And just as a reminder, the questions are, what were your previous eras? And how did each of them help you get to the next era and get to where you are today? And then what is your current era that you're in? And how can you see the full picture retrospective vision of how you got here? And what does it look like to fully own this era in the Taylor Swift Eras Tour? Magnetic, amplified way. Wow. Powerful. Powerful. Well, is there anything else you wanted to say, Eileen? I feel like that was perfectly captured. Great. Well, thank you all for sticking with us. We hope that you are living your best stadium tour life. We hope to wait in the Ticketmaster queue to get tickets to your era. Yes, we tour. need more. And let us know what era you're in. Stay connected with us on Instagram. Leave a review on our podcast. We'd love to hear from you. And we will see you next time for some powerful stuff. <laughs> Can't wait. Thank you for listening to the Powerful Stuff Podcast. We're your hosts, Meredith Baker. And Eileen Leguiu. We hope that you learned some powerful stuff that you can take away and implement into your own life. And if you do, we would love it if you rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast, Powerful Stuff. And if something deeply resonates with you and you share it on social media, tag us. We would love to hear from you. And we will also see you next week for some more Powerful Stuff. stuff. <laughs>